Hi, this is Stephanie Courtney with The Learning Project. You guys, I wanna welcome you to our family segment. We have Tiara and Patrick Ham with us today. They are going to be talking about their family's journey. You don't wanna miss this. Hello everybody, it's Stephanie from The Learning Project. I'm so excited today, okay. So these people are not just only my people, my 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 family. I feel like even though we're, we're not family, we're family. Um, they've also been in my heart very dearly because they have a very special um, story as far as family. And so I want to welcome you to our segment called the My Family's Journey. Um, I'm going to be your host. My name is Stephanie Courtney, and I am with me. I have Tiara and Patrick Ham. They are amazing. I just, I love them. Um, they are wonderful parents. They are excellent, um, just I don't know how to say this, but like, you know how like when people have that spirit of just servitude and just Aww. like they're there for people, they they love on people, they're there, they're there for their community. Like this, these this is the family that I think of when I think of that. So I want to welcome you guys to the learning project and welcome you Thank to the family segment. <laughs> I'm so excited. So um, I want to get to know you just a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about who you guys are. Um, and then we'll go into our first question. Well, I'm Tiara and my husband Patrick here. We have, um, we're, we've been married for 13 years. Aww. And uh, we What's your have, love story? What's your love story? I have to ask. What's your love story? Oof, <laughs> we're about to spill the beans. It's a quick, <laughs> a quick story. So we... <laughs> We met each other on MySpace, dating us way back. And um, we talked on MySpace for a little bit, for about a month. And then he, I don't know what happened to him. He stopped talking to me. And then he, Ooh, he came back, right? Work. He, he came Work back. happened. He came back in the picture, sent me a message, and we started talking. We went on one date, and then literally three days later, we were married. What? Yes. What? Yes. My goodness. Okay, so did you know right away, like, this is the one? For, for me, I, I put much time in, in solitude, being single. <laughs> and three, yeah. Uh, being, being single for a while. Um, after coming, of a, coming out of a very serious relationship, yeah. um, I felt it was best to be single for a while, uh, work on me, uh, take care of my uh, older son, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that his needs were being met. And um, it's one of those things where um, I had a vision of what I wanted for a life. Mm. And I had a vision of what I wanted for a wife. Mm. And when uh, I met my now wife, um, I said, okay, it's just something about that absolution I knew. I said, she's the one. Mm. Um, she, she called herself. She ain't telling the whole truth now. Uh, <laughs> she's holding back. She's holding back. Yeah, she calls herself challenging uh, my manhood, if you will. <laughs> and she says, um, men have commitment issues. <laughs> that, was a, that was the line she pulled. And I said, no, no, no. I said, uh, I, I know a good thing when I see it. And I told her, I said, um, all we need is three days. Mm. She said, three days. I said, that's the waiting period in the state mm. of Washington. She said, you playing? I said, you got a driver's license? She said, yeah. I said, we can catch the courthouse before they close. Mm. Went down, got a, 
we applied for our license. We've been married uh, 13 and a half years now. What? Yeah. yeah. So beautiful. I had to ask. I had to ask. That is the best story one. ever. I hope you guys are all enjoying that. You know, you guys should give me kudos. Because like, oh, that's a good story. I love it. So you guys meet, you get married. It's um so tell us a little bit about who you guys are. Yeah. Um Um <laughs> Well, me and myself, uh um wow. Um I feel like I wear too many hats sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I'm very passionate about music, of course. I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my whole world revolves around music. Um, I love being a father. Um, I love being a husband. Um, but myself, um, I love to I love to find ways to uh, engage with others. I'm a people person. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. COVID has had a insane impact on my life no, I uh, because yeah. I am a social butterfly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to meet new people. I love to connect. Um, but for me, just. Uh, uh, music is my thing. I, I live and breathe music. And I'm the opposite of him. I like to be at home. <laughs> I am the biggest so COVID hat. I'm like, okay, I don't have a problem with staying home. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I love to stay home. I, like Patrick said, I love being a mom. I love being a wife. We waited a long time. Very long time. Um, it took us a long time to, to finally get to where we are. We actually tried to have kids for about 10 years mm. uh, before we became foster parents. Mm-hmm. So we we definitely struggled with infertility. And we've even talked about it even recently um, about seeing a fertility specialist. But our kids are four, two, and one. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's some pause. Yes. Oh my goodness. We're tired. Oh, yes. I know. I know. They have so much energy. They keep you guys definitely on your toes. Definitely yes. on your toes. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I just want our listeners to really get a idea who you guys are um, and really think about as you guys are listening, you know, when we're working with families, um, what who who are they? You know, I think a lot of times when you are working with families, sometimes there's a lot of miscommunication because we don't take the time to actually get to know the family and get to know who the person is. And so um, I just really appreciate you um, sharing that. If you guys are listening right now and you are already like, this is about to be a good podcast, I need you to take some time right now. I want you to share, subscribe. You know that person that might really need this story send it to them okay this is my new thing that i'm saying do not send them candy do not send them flowers send them something that's gonna give some substance that's gonna give them a little something um and so uh, we're just getting started with this podcast so i'm I'm really excited about it so i want to know what is you guys's passion my i would say my passion is i don't want to sound cliche but my kids they're my passion Mm -hmm. they they have all had some rough beginnings, and I'm sure we'll get into that mm-hmm. um, later on in the past. So, or later on in the podcast, but mm-hmm. um, they're they're definitely my passion, and um, just making sure that they're healthy and happy and have everything that they need. Yeah, um, that's my number one, my number one goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, uh, you know, hopefully, mine doesn't sound too cliche, but. I'm a good old-fashioned church boy. Mm. Um, 
I was born and raised uh, in the church. Yep. Um, for me, uh, my wife will tell you, if I could have just a little bedroom corner tucked away, <laughs> um, man, there's no other place I'd rather be um, than at the church. Yeah. Uh, for me, it gives me a great peace, comfort, yeah. um, and a sense of community. Uh, yeah. You can ask my oldest daughter, Felicity. Um, she will have a meltdown, a flat-out meltdown if she can't go to church with me. Mm. Um, because all her friends are there. She's engaged. Yeah. Um, and there's been such overwhelming support from um, our, our church community. Yeah. Um, that have engaged, um, that, you know, know about our children and kind of their life and, you know, how everything has come down. Um, it's been amazing. So for me, like I said, I'm very passionate. Like I said, I touched on the music, but um, I love being able to connect with people um, and see how our city's evolving and growing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's your family story? To let's, let's dive right into it. Um, where did this all begin? Yes. So in 2016, well, I don't 17, know where you're well, I'm starting with the foster care journey. So we became oh. foster parents in um june of 2017 Mm -hmm. um and uh we got our daughter felicity at 15 months old she was Mm -hmm. our very first placement Mm -hmm. and um i yeah july 12th actually three years that she's been with us she's four now and um i almost missed the call for her wow Um, i i was at work and i'm like patrick Home finders just call me, call them back. They said they have a little baby girl for us. You call them back. And so I was at work um, and uh, working downtown. And so I, I asked my boss, can I take a break? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I went into the hallway and listened to the voicemail. I said, well, send me the voicemail. So she sent me the voicemail, iPhone to iPhone. Uh-huh. And I'm listening to it. And she says, hi, this is so-and-so with Home Finders. And uh, we have a little girl that we would like to place with you. Uh, Please give me a call back as soon as possible. Mm. So I call back and it's amazing because my heart began to flutter. Uh, My stomach is in knots. And she begins to tell me about this little girl um, and the situation concerning her um, that they needed immediate placement. Mm. Um, And being on the other end of the phone, uh, it's, they, they try to tell you to have a sober mind mm. when you're contacting and you're speaking with home finders because you don't know the full situation or the full scope unless you ask. Yeah. Um, sometimes, um, unfortunately, children can be surrendered. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they come and be police custody. Mm. Um, and there's so many different background perspectives on how these children come into care. And so we actually had a list that we put mm-hmm. in our notes app on our iPhone. So uh-huh. I'm so overwhelmed because she's telling me about Felicity and I'm trying not to just jump on it and just say yes, impulsively. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm trying to sound dignified, like I have some sense about it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was like, oh, I got, yeah, here we go. So I said, um, so can you tell me about this? And can you tell me about that? And she's like, yeah, yeah. She's, you know, so she, I answer like, I ask her like 20 questions. And my wife really wanted an infant. I did, yes. And I said, yes. <laughs> oh, but first, didn't they ask? They said, 
she's white is that okay yeah you know i said mm. no she's white caucasian um is that okay and i was like I, I began to like think back. I'm like, did we check a box on some paperwork that would prompt that question? <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, we're open for all genders, oh, uh, all races. Yeah, um, we're licensed from zero to nine um, at the time. Uh, so I was like, nope, that's fine. And literally, it was one of those things where they facilitated, mm-hmm. like they said, oh, well, here's who she's currently with um we'll go ahead and uh pass on your number she's gonna give you a call mm-hmm. and to be honest it was the most awkward thing it ever. was the lady mm. came over to our house she brought she's over nice. yeah she's really nice she brought over all of her three things and was like okay. keeping in mind her things that she did have there wasn't much no mm. um it, when the belongings that came with Felicity initially when she went to the other lady's house uh, came in a trash bag. Mm. Um, But the things that she brought over wouldn't even stuff a small kid's backpack. Well, and they didn't even fit her. The clothing was fit. Yeah. Wow. She was keeping them out of a legal obligation. Yeah. Mm. What? So my question, like, I, I don't know about any of you guys out there listening, but how did you know that that was the right thing to do for you to be a foster parent? So one thing I told my wife when we got married, um, I come from a long family history of uh, my grandmother and my aunt uh, doing foster care and adopting. Mm -hmm. Um, Mother Ham is what I call her. She Mm -hmm. adopted many people. Um, some through uh, the legal system, some externally. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Aunt Linda, uh, she adopted uh, two children. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was directly from my family, the other one wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, two cousins now that are doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a junior Olympian. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. uh, um, shout out to my little cousin, Aisha Ham <laughs> at Cal State Fullerton, <laughs> setting records. Proud of her. Wow. I believe she's ranked third nationally. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yes. That's awesome. High jump. Uh, I told her, I said, I said, you're so noteworthy. I can Google you now. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's always been that history. And so I was raised to believe that um, if, if God has blessed you enough um, to take care of your family, uh, you should open up your home to take care of others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always had that passion. So I told my wife, I said, no matter how many kids we have, um, I said, I want to foster, I want to adopt. Yeah. Um, I said, the need is so great. Yes. You're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know just here in Spokane County, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's also known as region one. Um, it, uh, you're referring to the state. Um, they're so overwhelmed right now. Wow. Uh, they don't have enough foster parents for the children that have come into care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. they are renting out hotel rooms and yep. social workers are pulling long hours, long shifts. Yeah. Um, and they're doing everything they can to place children with suitable foster parents. Um, while they work out these cases. And Mm -hmm. I just told my wife, I said, no matter what happens, I would love for us to foster and adopt. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to adopt. Um, And she said, okay, okay. And like like she said, you know, we lived a lot of life. 
Well, and then when we lived in Arizona, we lived in Arizona for a little bit. We uh, were a part of a, a small prayer group that would meet once a week. Mm-hmm. And this lady, she was praying for me. Like, you know, we grew up in a black church, but these white people at this church, <laughs> they could pray. Oh my hey. God. Whoa. <laughs> she was praying. Yes. She so, brought heaven down to her. Yes. So <laughs> and she was like, you know, the Lord wanted me to tell you you're going to be a mother to many mm. like and it may not be the way that you want it to happen but you were going to have many children and mm. i didn't really understand it at that time what that meant but now um i need to turn the light but now um i i do understand what that means because you know we're not done fostering yeah we've adopted three kids but we're not wow. we're not done yeah yeah and and so when you decided to make this happen, you 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 prayed about it. You you know that this is your journey. You guys get your first little one coming into your home. What were some of the things that you did not expect, and it could be good or bad. I will say, um, so going back to the lady that dropped off Felicity, um, that was awkward. Cause like mm-hmm. I was expecting like the social worker to be there, yeah. And I was expecting like this handoff, and you kind of form like this, yeah. You kind of form like this, this imaginary, magical thing that happens, <laughs> and it was nothing like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, lady came, and uh, she had you know uh, she wasn't in the position to keep Felicity, mm. and um, she does what we call respite care. So she only mm-hmm. does short term. And so she had, you know, she had mentioned, she's like, no, she had become very attached to Felicity and yeah. was very sad to see her go. And she stayed maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was like, I need to get out of here because the longer I stay, stay the worse it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So she left, then there were tears. For the rest of the day, that's about it. All day. Oh! And when I tell you, like, there was no amount of consolation that could be given um, to hold her, to carry her, oh. um, to rock her, to feed her. To ba- I mean, anything that you could possibly do to comfort her. Yeah. She's comfortless. Yeah. Um, and she literally cried herself to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that day, I questioned myself as a parent. Yeah, mm. what, like, what did we get ourselves into? What first of all, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> Two, um, I had I had to check myself. I'd ask myself, are you cut out for this? Mm. As I watched uh, our little girl cry herself to sleep. Yeah. Literally self soothe like she literally I was rubbing her back and she was just so sniffles as she was going to sleep. Just the most saddest thing you could ever see. And so I personally went to bed defeated that night yeah. because I'm like, tomorrow's going to come and she's going to want this other woman who she's been attached to for the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, but the craziest thing happened. It was a new day. Yeah. Was- yeah. She was good. She woke up and she had her little raspberries and strawberries for breakfast that she wanted mm. um, and her toast. Mm. And... Literally, as I was picking her up out of the chair, she said, Dada. Mm. Wow. Um, and everything that happened the day before is a faint memory. 
Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, they don't expect you to fall in love so quickly. They tell you, they tell you, yeah, it's the hardest thing and try not to fall in love, but that, it's... Yeah, they, they, they teach a lot of classes on healthy boundaries. Mm. Um, because they, uh, as foster parents, um, the state is considered, I'm, I'm considered the rainy cloud when I go to a lot of foster parent panels. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I'm one of, uh, they tell they, they kind of smile laugh at me because I'm one of, you know, I, I'm one of the men that I do all the doctor's appointments. I do all the therapy visits. Yeah. Um, so I, I kick it with the soccer moms. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> we chop it up together. Um, but the one thing that they're quick to teach you is reunification is the primary goal. Mm. So they, they try to teach healthy boundaries not to get too attached. Yeah. Um, but my personal belief is if you're not getting attached, then you're not loving the child the way they need. Right. Absolutely. 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 I'm really glad that you brought that point up because that's something that I think in general human beings struggle with. Like if they know it's not going to be long term, like they don't want to get attached to Um, a person but children are so different the first five years are critical critical to their social and emotional development so if there's no one that they have connected with or bond with or or um can trust in we're setting our kids up for failure you know what i mean then when they come into a learning center like the one where i was at um, a lot of times those kids, they're struggling with those teachers because they're like, one, how long are you going to be here? Right. Two, yes. um, how long is it going to take you to get to a point where you don't want me no more? You don't like me anymore. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about um, a ta- a reta- a attachment disorders. We're talking yes. about RAD, um, reactive attachment disorder. And so you have a lot of children that struggle with that bonding process. And so we have to kind of take a step back when we're working with kids that have gone through a lot of transition or just some transition so that they can take the time to say, okay, how do I bond with this little one in a unique way and very individualized? Because you guys don't just have one little one. You guys have two more. So did you get your second kiddo and what was that experience like? Yeah, so that one was a a lot, uh, way different than Felicity. So um, nine months later, we got a call. We updated our license because we were only licensed for one. We got a call for Samuel and um, home finder said okay so we have a, an infant baby he's in the NICU mm. he um was born drug exposed but he should be getting out of the hospital within the next couple of days because they do the seven day waiting period um when kids are in um, foster care so I'm like okay well that sounds great and then he calls me back maybe an hour or two later he's like well the NICU stay might be a little bit longer. He's premature and he's on a feeding tube and on oh. oxygen. Oh, wow. So, and he was like, are you sure you're still wanting to, to take placement of him? I'm like, yeah, that doesn't change anything. We just want to be able to, to see him. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they told us all the drugs that he was exposed to. Heart, mm. I'm just, even just thinking about it just makes me angry how anyone could ever feel your baby well probably not moving because he's so high in, in yeah. utero but um doing all the stuff days before they were born like his mom literally did can i say it 
His mom literally did, he's mine now. His mom literally did heroin the day that he was born. Wow. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So he's definitely a miracle. Wow. So they gave us access to be able to see him in the hospital. His mom or his dad never went to go see him. Wow. Um, He was in the hospital for, and then if you for about 32 days, 35 days. And I mean, our voices are the voices that he recognized when he was in the hospital. Wow. When he would walk in, he would perk up, you know, his little ears would perk up. Um, Patrick, I would, you have. So, mm-hmm. we call Samuel a little miracle baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why. Um, man. So, I, I work downtown, not too far from the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we made it a point. My wife worked downtown across the street from me. Yeah. Um, at a bank, and I worked uh, for the lovely Apple Store. The <laughs> um, and so I would go up before work and feed them. She would come in right before her shift and rock them, and I would mm. go to work. And then I would take a longer lunch break, go up and see them on my lunch break. Um, she had a shorter lunch, so she couldn't do it, but she got off before I did. Mm-hmm. So she would go up and feed him in the evening, and then I'd come up and pull the late night shift. Wow! So we were always there, and so during one of these late night feedings one night, um, I was actually on the phone with my boss. Uh, we were talking about just some work stuff, and the problem with Samuel uh, was he had issues with feeding. Mm-hmm. He had terrible reflux. Mm. Um, he had issues with swallowing. Yeah. Um, his oxygen wasn't well, um, and his respiratory system wasn't strong. So he oh had my all A and B events. Uh, uh, the A stands for apnea, mm-hmm. uh, meaning to stop breathing. And then the B is the Brady, uh, a Brady event. And that's where his heart rate and oxygen would dip extremely low mm-hmm. and then slowly creep back up. So he had all, all these A and B events. And basically what you do is you just massage the sternum uh-huh. the knuckle and it kind of brings them out of that and forces them to breathe yeah so he had just got through eating and we're following i mean when i tell you there yeah, was so much homework mm-hmm. uh we're following reflux reflux protocols we're following cpr protocols uh we're making sure that you know he's sitting upright for at least half an hour yeah he can't eat you know, it's yeah. almost like he has to finish a bottle within 30 minutes. Mm. Doesn't he's burning more calories than he's taking in? Mm. Like, there's a long list of protocols that we're following. Wow. And so um, I'm holding him and I'm, I'm literally whispering to my boss, you know, because I'm in a room full of, you know, NICU babies and it's, it's so yeah. quiet sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would look at the monitor and it starts chiming. I said, oh, he's having another A and B event. Okay, so I'm start patting him. Uh-huh. Come on, bud. And, and nothing's happening. Oh my god. So I start to undo the swaddle. Uh-huh. And I take my knuckle, I start massaging the sternum. Yeah. And nothing's happening. So I flip him over and I start patting him real hard on the back. Whoa. Nothing's happening. And so I flip him back over. And Stephanie, he's turning blue. Oh my goodness. He was blue under his left eye. And he was blue in his lips. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, hey, I need a nurse. I need a nurse. 
the nurses were way down on the other, other on the other end, mm-hmm. dealing with another child um, oh, that they were running a code on. I flip them back over, and when I tell you, when you try to pay attention in the CPR class, that you feel is taking forever. <laughs> For real. For real. That's gonna put it on us. Like you want to tune out. <laughs> you want to check your Facebook. Um, it is all that CPR training that kicked in. Um, I am hitting him mm. and I am hitting him and he and I'm watching and all of a sudden his heart rate starts dropping about 10 beats per second oh my and I'm watching God. him drop from 160 to 150 to 140 to 130 all of a sudden his oxygen is dipping lower and lower and lower I flip him back over again now he's purple wow oh he's my goodness lips. he's purple underneath the eyes I finally hit the code button. I'm like, I need a nurse now, now. Great. I'm screaming. And to kind of feel him just go limp. Mm. I felt like time stood still. And I flip him back over and I am hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. And at this point, I'm flipping him over. I'm about to start CPR. Yeah. I massage the sternum one more time. All of a sudden the nurses come, the doctor's gonna take him out of my hands. And I hit him one more time and bam, all you hear is, oh. he cries for about all of 15 to maybe 20 seconds in reality, but it felt like a lifetime. Oh my word. And he went back to sleep. Mm. He's definitely our miracle baby. And you would even, they put all these diagnoses on him. Like he's failure to thrive. He wasn't gaining weight. Mm. He won't even know that now. No, no. He talks so much. He is all over the place. Active, so smart. And he's, I always, you know, pray over him. I'm like, I bind any, anything that anyone has ever said. He's not going to have ADHD. He's not going to have any learning disabilities. He's not, because they want to pre put all of these things on him. And I'm not, I don't, I, I don't allow it. Uh -uh. (laughs) No, no, no. And you know, you know, one of the things that's so interesting about a little one is that that nurture versus nature. So like they can be in an environment that says, you know, that has all these negative components. But once they move into an environment that is nurturing, it is full of love, it is supportive. I mean, kids need support. They need care, but they need to know that the person that they love and the person that they're with believes in them. There's a quote by Dr. Seuss. It says that every child needs to know that someone in the world is crazy about them. And it's just that one person that makes a difference in how they see themselves and how they move in the world. And that is exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about, you know, you brought this little one um, into your life and you're there. I mean, that that story is just like heart-wrenching. And there's so different stories. Felicity's yeah. story, his story, and then we get to, to Baby Moose, right? Yeah, the yes. Baby Moose. It's Baby Judah. Moose. We, we, yes. can we, right we can say his name now. <laughs> we can say his name, Judah. Judah yes. Oh, he's so cute. Oh my goodness. You guys, if you haven't seen the picture on this podcast, you need to look at their kids. They're so cute. Oh my goodness. Thank you. 
So tell me about Judah's um, story and how you guys got yeah. At this point, I just want to make sure everybody understands. They have a three-year-old, uh, what, a two-week-old when, at that point, right? Yeah. And so how old was um, Samuel when you guys got Judah? So Samuel and Judah, they're half-brothers. Oh. Yes. So right. they have the same mom. They uh -huh. are 10 months and 15 days apart. Okay. Um, kind of the same story. Um, uh, Judah, his, he was also born exposed to, to drugs, unfortunately. Mm. Um, he, when he came home to us, Patrick stayed home with them, um, had probably the worst withdrawal oh. that we've ever so, seen. So, yeah, so once again, this is where, like, I thought Felicity's situation was bad. No. Um, for anybody with young children, uh, regardless of any exposure, um, to understand purple crying. Mm. Um, need to understand purple crying. Um, Judah came home. Uh, I took Lee first. Mm -hmm. And I truly felt the child hated me. Yeah. He, he would call me. He's like, this child will not stop crying. I'm holding oh. him. I'm swallowing him. I fed him. Like, but I it's not like a regular. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a nurturer. <laughs> like, you know, I was. I am one of the best nurturers that I know. Uh -huh. um, but literally, I was like, man, my grandmother raised me right. I, I am a nurturer. <laughs> um, but I would tell, like, and I felt like Tiara thought I was exaggerating or lying to be mm -hmm. honest because I'm like listen I'm like you know it's not like a typical cry yeah it was a high pitch distress cry mm. and it would go for hours mm. all day and then the the crazy thing is by the time Tira got home he was tired from crying all day he would eat and go to sleep for her mm. <laughs> <laughs> So I started sending clips. Yeah. I was like, this is what's going on. I was like, I need proof. And so it got so bad where I said, okay, I need help. Yeah. To, and I, and I truly believe this is where a lot of parents fundamentally break down. Mm. Where a lot of parents don't want to ask for help. They don't want to admit that they don't have the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay. I'm literally, I sat him down in the playpen and I actually began to talk to myself and have a logical conversation. I said, mm. fed. So he's not hungry. He's clean. He's been burped well. Um, I start going through all this list of things. And of course, I'm going through Google. I'm reading through everything. I said, okay, I've done this. I've done that. Yeah. It can't be any of this. And so finally, I did, uh, I used one of my lifelines. I phoned a friend. Yeah. Um, we had a foster parent friend. And I said, um, can you just come over? Yeah. Um, I just need you to be with the baby. Um, because some people say, there's some studies that say, put them down and walk away. Yeah. Um, me, I, I'm, I'm too soft for that. I, that doesn't work for me. Um, to <laughs> me, like, if my child is crying, my child is crying for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not gonna withhold affection. That that's yeah. my personal stance. Yeah. And so I didn't want I didn't want Judah sitting in the playpen crying while I try to figure life out. Yeah. Um, and so I said, he's I'm, he's not hungry. He just ate half an hour ago. I said, but to hear that decibel of crying for days on end. Mm. 
and for hours and hours all day. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I need a break. Yeah. And she's like, oh, on my way. So she, she lived around the corner. She came on over. She's like, hey. Uh, she's like, man, uh, my husband's coming home early. He's gonna get the kids. You just go. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't till I said, okay, I feel like something's wrong. And the one thing that I love about our doctor, our pediatrician, is that um, same thing about the nature versus nurture. She mm-hmm. she's always told us. She said the best thing you can do for these kids is love them. Yeah. She said let she said let the nurture uh, overtake the nature. Yes. And so mm-hmm. we scheduled an appointment, and I said I'm sure it's nothing, but I said I feel like it's something. Mm. And she said something that validated everything how I felt because I felt like I was going crazy to hear mm. that level of consistency of crying. Mm-hmm. We're on day eight now. And she said, Patrick, she said, if you feel like something is wrong, you know your child best. Mm. Can I just put a pin in that real quick? Mm -hmm. Yes. So one of the things that um, I've heard people talk about is when you are doing foster care, people may say, that's not your child. That's not your child. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what you're talking about, which is you're there to support the child, but you are not, that's not your child. Mm-hmm. When you said, I know something is wrong with my child, it's something very powerful about a bond. And when you know what's yeah. going on with your child, you have to listen to that. And people that are working with you and in, in partnering with you have to be on that same level. I don't, I think that you cannot work with someone that does not see you in that light, you know, um, families and parents and all of these different words that we use, they are formed in so many different ways Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not the traditional, you know, um, think back in so many different, um, so many people's different stories. They talk about, sometimes they'll talk about people that were like a mother, were like a father and they saved them. And they, that is their parent. That is their, that is their parent. Um, and so I want people to hear when you have a child, that is your child. When they're in your care, that is your child. And if you know something is wrong, you have to petition for them. And that does, it doesn't matter if it's in at the doctor's or at a Mm -hmm. learning center, maybe they're having some behavioral issues or having some things going on. You have to petition, you have to be consistent. You cannot write those things off. Um, And then on top of that, you have to make sure that you are giving yourself the, t- the support and the help that you need. I love that the lifeline that you talked about, um, just really quick, can you tell our listeners what kind of support, like if you're having those moments, you maybe you have a little one that is just really struggling, what kind of support is out there for families that do foster if they need some help in that, that moment in time? Yes, so um, there's always respite. Respite is always offered um, you know, if you need a night away or if you're going on vacation or something like that, you can always um, get a respite provider. But there's a lot of support groups within the foster care community, um, especially in Region 1, like Patrick was saying, we're Region 1. So, and a lot of people are more than willing to take your child in just for the day if need be. 
Mm. So um, if you are thinking about becoming a foster parent, just know that you're not alone and that there's a lot of resources and a lot of willing, you know, other foster parents who are willing to help as well. I love it. I love it. Um, so, so Patrick, you were at the point where you were talking about someone coming over, giving you that help. Um, you go to the doctor, the doctor is like, you know your child, you know when there's something wrong. It turned out there was something wrong um, yes. with your little one. And so now you guys have this big family. Yes. All of a sudden, three yes. children <laughs> under the age of what? Four or something like yes. this? Yes. Four and under. Four and under. <laughs> so, you know, what are your family struggles and how do you guys work through them? Yeah. Well, our our kids, they're three different personalities. Mm-hmm. Different. Um, is very, very clingy. Her upcoming, her upbringing, she was severely neglected. So she mm. has to know where Patrick and I are at all times. Mm. Um, so that can, that could be a struggle because sometimes she just wants to lay all over you. And sometimes as a parent, you get, I say you get touched out. Like, please don't touch me. I just want to be by myself. Right. And she's great at just touching you. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and so that can be a struggle because, you know, you want to nurture that. You want to you want to give her the love and affection that yeah, she needs. That reassurance. Right. But, and, but we also need to teach her boundaries because. Yes that girl oh my gosh she'll be all over anyone yes (laughs) and then with Samuel he's very active and now he you know he's in his terrific twos his favorite word is no and and shut up oh my gosh I hate when he says shut up he learned that from Shrek oh my gosh (laughs) so Shrek Shrek's on pause right now yeah no more Shrek in the hand house yeah no more Shrek so he can be, and he has some sensory things. So, um, sensory seeking. Yes, yeah, sensory seeking. As you know, he's a biter. <laughs> and he, he struggled with biting um, at his current daycare. So, kind of like the advocate, we really have to advocate for him. A lot of them at the daycare didn't know his story. Yeah. Um, so, we went out and got him some sensory toys and things like that. And that really helped. Um, yeah, because, um, I think once again, uh, she leaves the ruffling of feathers to myself. Um, uh, she, my wife is so sweet; she 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 wouldn't hurt a fly, and she doesn't <laughs> want to ask any of the tough questions. She leaves that to me. Um, and so uh, I, I just went down there, and I said, um, I said maybe uh, we can all put our heads together. I said, but there's a question that's not being answered. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can tell me the who, the what, the where, the when, but you can't tell me the why. What's the reason? Why is this happening? Yeah. And so I said, okay, so he, he bit a child. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, I said, you tell me what happened. Usually it was, no, um, all I know is I heard a scream and uh, he yeah. a child and yeah. we wrote it up. I said, okay, let's dig a little deeper. Right. I said, no, is he being provoked? 
not that that's an acceptable response, but right. why but is this toddlers, happening? it's developmentally appropriate. It's how they protect themselves. And yeah. I mean, I'm all about like kids standing up for themselves. And if they need, if that's how they have to tell someone to leave them alone, yeah. we have yeah. to teach our kids to petition for themselves, but we need to also help them like redirect, yes. like maybe yeah. you can yeah. toy instead of like, yeah. You know, like maybe we can so, say no. Yeah, <laughs> no, but sometimes kids they skills. just they just they just don't want that 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 uh that um that's too much. They're you're, they're in their bubble. They're in their space. Yeah, yeah. So we come to find out, you know, I said, you know, uh, I said, let's be problem solvers here. Um, I said, so one, let's give them a buddy. Let's come up with a safety plan. Yeah. And we, we started getting down to it. And let him have his binky. I know, like, yeah. he's too... But... Well, so, here's the thing that we noticed. He still wants his binky. Mm-hmm. Um, he was chewing on his shirt. And his mm. sleeve. And his sleeve. And then he kept having these these biting episodes. So we're getting yeah. calls and calls and calls. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, why are you we... taking his binky away? Yeah. It's not a problem. Like, he's not sleeping with it. Yeah, and I'm like, then you're telling me you can't chew on a shirt. And I'm, yeah, and we would come, we would pick him up, and his sleeves would be like rolled up high so he couldn't chew him. It's like clearly he's speaking. He needs yeah, yeah, he needs that. And so I just began to ask more questions. I said, well, has he ever bit someone out of anger? And he said, no. Mm. I said, okay. And so I just I found myself sitting on the couch one night, and I was like. I wonder if this is a therapy thing. Mm. Let me ask a therapist. And they said, hey, they gave me a recommendation. Uh, his physical therapist uh, said, hey, this this sounds like some sensory issues here. Wow. And she said, let me explain. She said, he's chewing on something. He needs the oral fixation. It soothes him. Mm. So she said, you've taken his binky. You've taken away his sleeve. And you've taken away everything else that comforts him. Wow. Now you're engaging and for whatever reason he's biting. So mm-hmm. we got him some uh chew things, literally stopped. Yeah. Wow. Turkey. Wow. Wow. I, I just want us to hear this conversation right now. Um, because I'm guilty of it where I have had kids in my center before where they were biting and we always talk about sensory issues. Yeah, like maybe there's some sensory things, maybe we have some texture things. But never once have I thought about, hey, go back to the physical therapist and ask them for a recommendation. Yeah. I mean, that is huge. If we're going to be working with kids that come from all diverse backgrounds, and there may be something that a child needs. And if, mm-hmm. if, for example, if someone never asked, you know, you know, what's this little one's background? They don't really know, you know, who that child is, where, what their background is. Um, and then all of a sudden they come into the classroom and they're biting everyone. The first thing that most centers, including the one I was at, um, the way I would address things was, okay, well, let's see if they need something to eat. Well, let's see yeah. if they need, if they're teething. Let's see if they need teething rings because everybody yeah. knows that you, you got to have teething rings in that topic. Yes. We'll, yeah. We'll bite somebody if they don't yeah. have You know, um, maybe they're, um, people are too close to them. Maybe they need to sit away mm-hmm. from people. Maybe they have this. I mean, going around and around and around and around. And I've never once thought about going to a physical therapist. I'm really glad you shared that. I yeah. am so glad you shared that because, I mean, it gets, it becomes a lot when you have a kiddo that is biting 
Um, and yeah. Yeah. you know, you go into the center and literally you're on eggs and um, eggs and pins and needles because you're like, oh my god, do I have an incident report? It's like you, yes, no, you're getting written up for something your kid did. Hey. Yeah, um, always racking up incident reports like he's oh at the grocery god. store. Yes, I mean it's it's hard, and I try to remind people, especially educators, when you guys are writing these incident reports and you're writing them and you're giving them to the family, make sure you're giving it as a way as partnering. Because, you know, the family, especially now with COVID, we're all wearing masks. And I know a lot of families are not allowed in the centers, but you know, if you are going into that center and you can't read that person's face because the only thing you see is their eyes, you're wondering in your head, like, oh my gosh, you know, are you mad yeah. at me? Do you not want my child to be here? Do you not love my child? Do you not like my child? You know, there's a yeah. lot of things that go through a family's head when yeah. you hand an incident report to them because it, it's not an easy thing. I mean, it, it's just not. It's just not. And I, and like I said, I never even thought about the physical therapist and I am so glad that you um, you shared that. And again, yeah. you guys, if you are listening to this conversation, you're like, this is so good. Somebody needs to hear this. <laughs> Please <laughs> take this and share it. Um, give it to that person that's really struggling. Um, maybe in that toddler class and they just need to be reminded, okay, yeah, this little one has had a rough life. This little one has gone through a lot of things and I have to consider all of it and you know ask for help partner with the families you're not alone in this um i think a lot of times we feel like we have to be everything for everybody and that is not the way humanity works that is not the way humans work so you know it's really important to remember that you have a community of people and you have the parents to help you have the parents to partner with you so the more that you partner with the parents the more you are going to be able to really give that little one the best opportunity in, you know, in, in life. So, yeah, we're working together to help them with that confidence piece. So thank you for sharing that. Um, where, what's one thing that you wish educators knew in general about families like yours and how could they better partner with you guys? I know it was a loaded potato. (laughs) Um, let me preface with this Um, I being off work the last two weeks Mm -hmm. due to COVID uh, with my children uh, have always had the utmost respect for educators but the level of appreciation has grown leaps and bounds Mm. Um, um, I appreciate uh, the level um that educators put in. Um, I recognize that there are educators with more letters behind their name than I have in my entire last name. Mm. Um, And I respect that. With that being said, um, it's my hope that we can find more educators that see our children as individuals and not try to blanket them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I had to advocate for a child, and I'll leave that child nameless. Yeah. Um, for many years, the child struggled since fifth grade. Mm. And I kept saying, hey, there's something not right here. Yeah. Um, sixth grade, I, I went to the local school district, and it was my recommendation. I was a bad guy. It was my recommendation that the child be held back. 
because the educational gap was so broad mm-hmm. it wasn't even funny mm-hmm. um, and I began to question should we look into some testing yeah I said because there's some you know you gotta stay off WebMD yeah <laughs> listen folks man WebMD ain't helping like you a doctor hey right? man <laughs> you know, like I said you, I, you gotta respect everybody in their position yeah um but I said, you know, I'm starting to see some very strong signs. Yeah. Um, and the, the student and the child began to struggle severely moving into seventh grade um, with not being able to keep up. And so not being able to keep up, then teachers asking the child why they aren't keeping up, mm. embarrass the child. So then the child would act out to be removed from the classroom. Wow. So you get to two years of that for the child to finally have a mental health episode. Wow. And the child was admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as I sat in the room with the child and the doctor, the doctor began to ask questions. And I'm answering the questions. You know, they're doing all this into separately. Yeah. And she says, well, this kind of sounds like ADHD. Mm. There's some other depression stuff going on, but... Yeah. This sounds like classic ADHD. We're gonna run a quick test. Yeah. So they send the computer in, and guess what? The child tests off the Richter scale. Wow. And I've been advocating and elementary school. Elementary school. And I'm like, (laughs) something's not right. And now here this child is is doubling down, doing everything they can to catch up on credits. Wow. And their high school career now, missing out and what I've told this child is supposed to be one of the best days of your life mm-hmm. it's high school you know the child's an athlete um, very gifted very talented um, all because they put a blanket statement over the child mm. and I'm just like if you would look at the child as an individual I know our classrooms are overcrowded yeah I, I'm, I'm not belittling the situation at all yeah. I know that our teachers are overworked and they're underpaid. Mm, yep. And in my personal opinion, they're under, undervalued as well. Yes, um, absolutely. absolutely. And I know that parents, um, I'm one of those parents, sometimes we come in hot and heavy. <laughs> um, and we're, sometimes we're only coming in with bits and pieces of information. Yeah. Um, when we come into the meetings, um, I, I say this, um, this school district, uh, we call them the late school district. Because mm. they're phenomenal for having a, a meeting in April and May, yeah. talking about how your child's behind. Wow! Um, that you'll you'll go the whole school year until April, May, till you actually hear wow. um, that your child's behind before they actually schedule yeah. a meeting and get people involved. Yeah. And it took it took a lot of advocating. It took, if I could be so bold, to get in a lot of people's faces mm-hmm. and say, "I'm not leaving here without a meeting." Petitioning. Um, Petitioning. We got to get to a counselor. We got to get to this person. Uh, we got, and all of a sudden, after we barked up enough trees, we have an IEP. Hmm. All of a sudden, we now have a path awesome. when, awesome. before they're saying the child's not going to graduate. Hmm. I'm sitting here, I said, I'm sure, I said, sitting here with a bunch of educated people, well-educated yeah. people, we can't come up with a plan to get this child on a path to success. Wow. I said, do you know what you were doing this child to? If you tell this child that they can't graduate with a degree, with a diploma, wow. I said, we have to create a path if there isn't one. Yeah, absolutely. It, it took a coming together, a collaboration to say, okay, we don't have an answer, so let's find an answer. Yeah. Let's work together. 
And all of a sudden, we begin to deal with the root of the issues. All of a sudden, behavior improved, study mm. habits improved. Wow. Wow. So all of a sudden, the child wasn't feeling defeated or yeah. out in the class anymore. Yeah. And did so well that he only has about another year uh, of summer school. And he'll That's be awesome. on track for graduation. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And it's all about that petitioning. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I want to I want to remind everybody, uh, there's a couple podcasts that we just did. Um, one with Jamie, Jamie Perkins. Um, she is sharing her family story about her son. And she talks about how she had to petition for him. And it literally was a life and death thing. And so, you know, when we're talking about really knowing children and it you know that's the thing we need to connect with kids in such a unique way because right now we have such a generate we have a lot of kids in this new generation that are literally raising themselves that are yeah. literally on yes. their own that are literally by themselves there's no one to petition for them there's no one there for them there's no one to love them there's no one to care for them there's no one in their corner so any person that, you know, you know, that sees some child that needs help that can bond with that child, take that opportunity and bond yes. with them. That is the reason why education is so important. When I work with early childhood educators, there's a quote that I always say is that you are the child's first inner voice. Whatever mm. you say about that child, whatever you say to that child or directly or indirectly, they are already internalizing what you think about them. Yes. And, you know, when we talk about how we perceive ourselves and maybe there's some of us out there that have low self-esteem or struggled with that somebody planted that seed something happened in your life to really make you feel those things and go through those things you know it could have been bullying in school or yeah. you know maybe you had that one moment that one fight with a friend maybe they're they're still your friend mm -hmm. they said sorry but you know they said those things and it's something that stuck into your heart it's the same thing with kids you know they know those things how people feel about them um yeah. they know who's the most popular kid who's the best kid who's the bad kid in the class yeah call yes. their name all day you know um you know <laughs> they know those direct and indirect things because they've been in the womb for nine months they 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 basically learn about feeling in touch regardless of how that feeling in touch was they start learning those things at a very young age so yeah. when we're talking about how we are working with little ones and how we're connecting with them you have one of the biggest ob obligations to really make sure that you are in their corner and i want to yes. make sure i say this the best way i possibly can if you're not in early childhood early childhood education for the right reasons or any part of education please leave go and yes. find something else to do there's taco bell there's burger king yes. all, there's walmart <laughs> get out of here don't stay yes. in here you're messing with human beings lives you know yes. and when you are a educator who is consistently and constantly going from center to center to center to center 
all I have to say is shame on you. You know, shame yes. on you. There should be such a deep, dark conviction in your heart because these are children that need stability. And what yes. you're teaching yes. them is when you leave from center to center to center to center, you know what? You are teaching them that they can't rely on adults. They can't trust yes. adults, you know? Exactly. And that's already, that's setting up a very uh, poor foundation for them. So, you know, I really want that message to be heard. Some people may not agree with that message, but it's my podcast and I'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm gonna say that because we need consistency. This these kids need consistency, especially right now in COVID and with all of the the different political things that are going on. Kids are hearing tons of stuff, tons of conversation. They're trying to figure it out, and we've got to show them that there are consistent people in their life that love them and are there for them and will walk them through this scary time, you know, especially yeah, exactly. having to now wear masks if they're five years and older. You know, that was something that they didn't have to do before. And so now, you know, even for kids that have speech delays and they're wearing those masks, that is hard for them. So yeah. now they already are struggling with their speech delay. Now it's even more difficult because now they have a mask on so exactly. a lot, you know um and so be consistent be there or get out that's all i gotta say exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so what's your family's dream you know as we we come to the end of this podcast what is your dream for your family gosh um there's so many <laughs> So many. Um, I would say our dream. I don't know. What, what would you say? Oh, she, she does a thing again. I You say the right thing. The, the dream and the vision that I have for my family, uh, for the ham household, is I want to create a legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to leave my children something that money can't buy. Hmm. Um, I want my children, I I, I had a a vision about this and it was my children sitting at the table and I had quite a few of them. Yeah. It was a fairly good sized table, Mm -hmm. but none of them looked like each other. Mm. And it was during the holidays Mm -hmm. and we would, we were long gone. We've been gone on to be with the Lord, Mm -hmm. uh, as the old folks would say, Mm -hmm. but my children are together with their children yeah at the table having dinner oh um the true essence of family is the dining room table in my opinion beautiful what happens and what is taught at the dining room table um that the memories that they would have to say well your grandma used to do this yeah your grandpa would do this yeah and every year we did this um to know i want my children to know that family uh, we, we've always been raised on the whole saying that blood is thicker than water. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but I want my children to know that uh, blood has never bound anything together, but love mm. has. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that my children may not look like me. My children may not have my complexion, um, but there is nothing that would ever separate me from my children. Mm. And I want them to have that love towards yeah. each other. Um, towards their spouses, towards their children. Yeah. Um, I want them to carry on the legacy that we want to build for the Ham family. Yeah. Um, as a unit that they could go back and say, this is what my dad did with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I can be honest, I'm missing that in my life. Mm. Um, and so I am determined to make sure that I, uh, we build those memories, uh, those foundation, foundational things that um, their great grandmother took in people. Yeah, yeah, she did, um, yeah, she did. Uh, from all races, all backgrounds, mm-hmm. all religions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, took them in. If you look hungry, you couldn't be too skinny around Mother Hand because you look hungry. <laughs> um, he's gonna be fed. Um, so you know, I just I, I always put this little little saying in everything that if there's room in your heart and room in your home, mm. we got to do better. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That oh, that is that's so powerful. Um, we talk about family. We always. You know, a lot of times people show or show images of people that look like them. Everybody looks the same and that's how you know they're a family. Mm-hmm. What do you say to our listeners that are possibly thinking about or, uh, yeah, thinking about fostering and um, maybe the children that they have in their care don't look like them and people are ridiculing them for that? I say this. Um It takes a special type of person mm-hmm. to care for another human being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't come naturally easy yeah. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's no shame on anybody. Right. Um, but it does take us, you, you need to love children. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I stand behind that. Um, there's too many people that don't love children. Um, and that's where we get these horrific foster care stories from. Yeah. Oof. Yes. Um, where foster care gets the worst of uh, stigmatisms. Yes. Um, yeah. And if you don't love children, you'll you'll barely make it through the good days. But when the bad days come, um, that's where the stories come from. Mm. Um, as far as what what the home looks like. Um, I, I say this is 2020. Yeah. Um, if you look at the traditional household home now, it's changed in the last 50 years. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is not what it used to be. And it is no. not the, there's, if you have this perfect idea of what a family looks like, um, you're probably referencing something that's very outdated. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I truly mean it when I say if there's room in your heart, and if there's room in your home, yeah. Um, to open your heart, um, I would say that's. Uh, I've, I've, I've always said this: that true love requires vulnerability. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you, you ask. I've had people ask me, "How can you be vulnerable with a child?" I said, "It's simple." Um, I realized there's a day I broke down in tears hmm. because we had had a conversation with the social worker about Felicity's case. Yeah. And it sounded like she was going home. Mm. And I told my wife, I said, I've bonded and I've attached too much. Yeah. I, I don't know what life is like without her now. Mm. And now I can't comprehend what it's like to live life without her. And I'm telling you right now, uh, whatever your belief system may be, I'm a man of faith. Yeah. Uh, I begin to pray. Yeah. Um, and I said, Lord, just keep my heart. Yeah. I said, because my heart is slowly breaking. Mm. 
Um, and I, I took a step back to realize that your family doesn't have to look like you. Yeah. Um, your family doesn't have to resemble you. Um, my daughter, in her world, she said she tells, oh my gosh, she tells everybody. If you've seen a picture of my daughter, um, <laughs> she's a beautiful Caucasian little white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes. But you <laughs> cannot tell her that she doesn't look like her mama. She will tell people that we are twins. She tells everybody that they're twins. Um, yes, if, I love it. If, if you are of the African-American community, uh, the little hair bonnets that, that, that the ladies wear when y'all go to bed, yes. she has one. Yeah, she and she will not sleep without one. <laughs> um, but I love it. it it's, it's the culture in your home. Um, it's, it's the love in your home um, that makes you a family that will bind you together. Yeah. And it is the love that you share that literally uh, you couldn't convince any child that that child does not belong to you. Yeah. Um, so I would say uh, if you can look past, um, if you can look past the hurt, if you can look past the pain, if you can look past all the things, the facades that lie on the surface to see a child that is hurt, yeah, a child that is broken, a child that is scared, yeah, and find a way to love a child at that core. Yeah. I promise you, your life will be changed forever. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to thank you guys so much for coming onto this podcast. I don't know about y'all, but my soul is just, it feels so much better to know that there's a girl like you guys. And I hope that this podcast gave you more insight on what it means to love your children and and embrace them and embrace the families that we work with. You know, everyone has such a different story, a different path, and that's what I wanted you guys to hear. Um, Tiara, Patrick, where can someone, if somebody has questions and they're like, you know what, I just need to know what can I do? How could I do this? Maybe just they're thinking about, you know, fostering or how do I work better with foster families? Where can they find you? Yeah, they can find us on Instagram. Awesome. Um, and uh, my username is Our Matched Heart. Mm. Um, or you can find us on, on Facebook um, by searching our first and last names. We're always open and willing to answer any questions. And if you're already in the process of becoming a foster parent, we'll be more than happy to hold your hand with you and yes. cry with you. and pray with you if you need it yes well thank you so much you guys all their information is going to be below this podcast and before you leave you guys subscribe share tell everybody about this podcast it is absolutely amazing i hope you guys got so much from this and i hope it makes you a better teacher and a best a better human being thank you guys so much for listening and talk to you soon bye